today's title is more than just a book. But, uh, you know, before I begin, um, I, I, there's just a couple of things on my heart before I begin today's message, and that is, the Lord, you know, when, a lot of times when the Lord deals with me, uh, I think he's dealing with all of us. And uh, there's been times that, you know, me being a preacher, if I hear people when I'm talking to them and, and they take a certain scripture out of context, you know what that means, to take a scripture out of context? <clears throat> you all know what that means? It's okay. Do you do know you're not on TV? I can see your face, right? But anyway, uh, I would get critical of people like that. And... Uh, the Lord just really dealt with me this week, and uh, he just basically, you know, like, you know, the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious people of Jesus' time, and that's the people he had the most problem with, is religious people, and, uh, and it's still true today. Most pastors, they have more trouble with religious people than people who don't believe in God at all, but um, when Jesus would heal on the Sabbath... They said, there's six other days you can heal. Why would you heal on the Sabbath? And I mean, let's just get real. Any day to get healed is a good day. And so, I mean, common sense. I mean, but Jesus had to put up with that. And I felt like the Lord said, you know, Mike, that, that's just what you do. When if people are getting, listen to me, if people are getting, we, we just feel like we're the Holy Ghost cops on the planet, don't we? That we have to correct everybody. I could be talking to a different crowd. I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> but uh, there's times that I've been like that, especially in this last year. And I felt like the Lord was speaking to me and saying that, you know, that's being like a Pharisee. If people are getting ministered to, even if it's a scripture out of context, what's wrong with that? Maybe my mic cut out right there, Josh. I'm not for sure. Everybody just went blank. If people are getting ministered to, what's wrong with that? Anyway, the Lord really confirmed. I was talking to some of you all know Clint. He used to be our youth pastor, and now he pastors in Houston, Texas. It, he was talking to me this week, and he said that um, when he, uh, he went to Karis, and, uh, but on, they have what they call campus days, which is uh, you could go up there and visit to see if you feel like this is where you're supposed to go. And uh, so he went up there, this is years ago, at campus days, and uh, as soon as he sat down, there's a scripture that just came up to him. I'm not totally remembering what it was, but it, it's about being welcomed. And, uh, you know, that scripture, as far as what he felt, it was totally out of context. But he knew as soon as he sat down and he heard that, that he was supposed to go to Karis because of that. My point is this, you know, we, we try to just put God in so much of a box. God can only minister a certain way. God can only show up a certain way. God can only do things a certain way. And, and Lord, he can only just move in church. If it's outside the church, God forbid. Sometimes there's safety behind this. But uh, I just know that, um, you know, like Melody said, that I know there's been some people in our church struggling this week. 
especially when it comes to, to receiving healing. You know what? Let me just say this. Every one of us deal with unbelief from time to time. I don't care who you are. You deal with unbelief. There's times that I've prayed for people and nothing happened. There's times that I pray for people and people get healed. So what do you do? This is the bottom line. And if you pray, let me just say this. If you pray for people to get healed, you will face this. You will face somebody not getting healed. And if you pray for 100 people, there may be 99 people that don't get nothing. So what do you do? You know what most people do? They change their theology. You either have to believe the word of God or not. My point is this. We need to be, you know what? This is what I've, I've noticed. People who receive the most are the ones who are bulldog determined. The ones that just say, I'm, I'm not giving up no matter what. You know, uh, Winston Churchill. You know, he, he's one of my favorite history guys. It's because that's the way he was. God raised him up in the time of World War II, or people in England would be speaking German today, probably, but it wasn't for him. And this is the thing. He said, you know, it was overwhelming odds, and he sat there and he got up and said, never, we will never give up. You know, when you know there's no alternative, it kind of makes you uh, strap your boots up and say, we're going through this. When it comes to certain things in life, we, we have to be like that. And there's been times that I've been like that, and then other times I just go, I don't feel like it. Have you been there? This is good, you know, when you're, you're married to somebody like Melody. She just slaps the snot out of me, and I go, okay, I think I can do it now. <laughs> but we, this is one of the reasons that you need a church family to pray for you, to stand with you. When you don't feel like you can stand, you, you, don't, you don't have to worry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be standing for you and with you to encourage you. So I just encourage everybody because everything is working against us to not believe in God. I wrote this down. To not believe in his word, to not believe in healing, to not believe in prosperity, to not believe that God is always good no matter what. There's so many things on this planet in our lives that are coming against us to not believe these things or cause you and me to doubt. And it's the same old story just like when Satan came to Adam and Eve and said, did God really say that? Did he really say that? He still does that to you and to me. You know, is healing. Are you sure it's the will of God for you to be healed? Are you sure it's the will of God for you to have all of your needs met? Are you sure? And this is why we have to have it in our foundation with a resounding yes. And then he'll come back with, well, then why are you sick? Why are you struggling financially? Why are you struggling if it's the will of God? And it's just like Melody said, you know, I, we don't have all the answers, but I do know one thing. The more that I walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, the more victory I do have. Amen. I have more victory this year than I did last year. I have more victory this year than I did 10 years ago. And guess what? Five years from now, I have more victory than I'm having today. Amen. It's a journey. But man, is it a good one. 
Habakkuk puts it this way in chapter 3, verse 17. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herds herd in the stalls. Okay? This is an agricultural lifestyle. So all of these things that I just read is life and death. If you don't have things uh, growing in the fields, if you don't have uh, herds and flocks, you're going to starve to death. So this scripture basically says none of that is existing right now in your life. That's the time just to give up, is it? But he goes on and he says, no. You, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he'll make me to walk on my high heels. God will do that. We just have to look to him. There's times that, man, I go to God and I say, man, I just, I feel when it comes to faith right now, God, I mean, I'm like a minus 10. So I'm just looking to you. The Bible says they're looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We need to look to him when we're weak. We need to look to him when we feel like, and this is what the devil, I know this is what the devil does. He does this to me. I'm sure he does it to you. Is that, well, maybe there's unforgiveness in your life. Maybe you miss God in your life. Maybe you didn't. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And this is the problem with that. As long as you and I continually look at ourselves, it causes us to take our eyes off of him. And taking our eyes off of him and putting it on us as if we can get our own righteousness, as if we can get our own healing, as if we can get anything, fill in a blank. We have to keep our eyes on him. And I know there's so many discussions now going on. And, you know, I listen to YouTube every once in a while. Most of the time I don't because, man, it's just flat-out discouraging. But um, there's so many things going on, you know, like, you know, that man evolved and that we're, we're just like the animals. And so the, everything's devaluing man. That we're just like any other creature on this planet. There's one problem with that. Well, there's many problems with that, but the main one problem is this, that God didn't become a chimpanzee. He didn't become a giraffe or an elephant or anything else. God became a man. God became a man. So that's why man is valuable. <coughs> I heard this illustration. I'm going to give you this guy's name here in a little bit. I thought this was so awesome. I'm not a scientist, genetic scientist, or anything close to that. I can barely spell it. But anyway, he said this. He said, if you went to the beach and uh, you saw written in the beach by the shore or on the shore something like the genetic code of DNA, if you saw that written, how many people would think that, you know, that may have taken a million years of the waves throwing up seashells and rocks to write that? Would anybody in their right mind really think that? It took a million years for that to happen. 
How about a trillion years? I don't care if it's a trillion. No, no rock or shell is going to be able to form. This is the genetic code or the DNA written on. No, if you see that, you're going to know some intellectual life wrote that in the sand. Is that right? Well, and in the last 50, 60 years, we've scientists have discovered that, first of all, we have over a trillion cells in our body. And the longest word that has ever been discovered is the human genetic code, 3.4 billion letters long in exactly the right order. That's the same thing scientists have found out that if you're open, if you are open, it's the same thing of seeing something written in the sand. You know this just didn't happen. Are you hearing me? I've, I've discovered a guy in the last couple of weeks. His name is John Lennox, and he is from Ireland, an older gentleman, graduated from Cambridge. He has debated all of the atheists, the popular atheists, Hawkins before he died, and uh, he's lectured at every major college in the United States. And when you listen to him, I'm going to give you his uh, information. I mean, he, he's, he's a little bit on the boring side. You know, he's, a, he's not a preacher. He's just a teacher. But, man, he is so impressive to me. He is just like, yeah, I have to listen to him, rewind, listen to it again, rewind, listen to it. And about the fifth time I go, okay, I think I know what he's talking about now. He's just a genius. He's a mathematician and a scientist, both. But he believes in the word of God. And he said, if you're open, all the scientists cannot deny that there's a God. He says, it's impossible. It's impossible. So the word of God. You know, I've been a pastor. This is probably being too transparent. But I've been a pastor for many years. And uh, I've never taught on how we got the Bible. If you've been with me for many, many years, <coughs> you know I've never done that. And uh, that's kind of weird. But uh, it just never came to me. I just teach from the Bible. I've never taught how we got the Bible. So I started a series last week. If you, uh, you can start, if you weren't here last Sunday, you can pick it up. But the Word of God, you don't worship the Word, but we do worship the God of the Word. Amen? But having said that, you still need to know how valuable the Word of God is. And like I said this last week, you know, I, don't, I can't explain. When people say, well, what about this in the Old Testament? I go, I don't know. There's many things I don't know, but I do know the important things, that if you want to know what God is like, Jesus said, look at me. So if you struggle about God and what he's like, look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see what Jesus is like. And then you have to realize he was dealing with two types of people in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Are you ready? He was dealing with religious people who were self-righteous, and he was dealing with heathens, the prostitutes and the tax collectors who weren't trying to be self-righteous. They just wanted to know God. He dealt with those two groups in two different ways. So a lot of times as Christians, we try to have the relationship, the religion of God and with Jesus, how he's dealing with 
the religious people. And that's not how we're supposed to have a, a relationship with Jesus. For example, oh, if your eye, if you see some woman, you lust at her, okay, just pluck it out. There should be a lot of one-eyed people around America. I'm just saying it, but we don't go by that. Y'all looking holy today, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> but we don't do that. We don't take that, so why do we take the other things? It's funny how Christians can pick and choose. Wow. It's funny how we can pick and choose. But he was dealing with self-righteous people who said, oh, if you are righteous before God based upon what you can do, he always added something else. One guy came and said, what do I must have eternal life? To have eternal life. This is what Jesus said. Now, to, to have eternal life, this is what Jesus said to him. He knew that he was rich. He says, and he's, well, keep all the commandments. Love your mother and your father. And this, he lied. I mean, he lied. He says, I've kept all of these since my youth. Liar, liar, pants on fire. There is no way. But Jesus didn't, he didn't confront him. He didn't say that. You know, I would have said, you lie. But he didn't say that. He just sat there, okay. I've got one more thing to add to that, to have eternal life. Now, is this how you get eternal life? Let me ask you that. He says, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. Have you ever thought of that? So is that the way we believe today? If you, okay, we're going to have a salvation call. But, but first... I need everybody to get your checkbooks out and give everything away. We wouldn't have too many people next week. But anyway, are you hearing me? You have to know how Jesus dealt with people. Self-righteousness, is the, it was a stench in the nostrils of God, still is today, and yet people still try to do it today. Mm. Are you hearing me? But then to the prostitutes and to the tax collectors, he didn't give them rules like that. He didn't. Why? Because they just came to him and said, I'm a sinner. I don't have anything to offer you, but I want you. And guess what? It was an easy thing for him. Why? Because they didn't try to get to God in their own righteousness or their own doing. They just came to God as they were, and said, take me. 2 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> After this voice, let me just give you a little background. Remember Peter, James, and John, right before he, uh, Jesus was crucified, he took Peter, James, and John up to the mountain. They call it the Mount Transfiguration. That's when uh, he said, many of you will see the kingdom before you die. So this is when it happened. He took Peter, James, and John up on the mountain, and boom, man, his face was brighter than the midday sun. It was awesome. The kingdom of God. They heard God speak from heaven. This is my beloved son. I mean, all these things were going on. So Peter was there, and he says this to you and to me today. How many think that would be pretty phenomenal? Man, wouldn't you want to vent? Peter, James, or John, wouldn't you want to be one of those guys to see that? But this is what Peter says to you and me today. He says, in this voice which came from heaven, we heard. He says, we heard that. When we were with him 
in the Holy Mount, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Listen to it. He says, we have today a more sure word than the actual voice that we heard on the mountain. And this is what he says. Whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the pro- prophecy <coughs> came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Listen to what it says in the Passion Translation, verse 19. And so we have been given the prophetic word. He's talking about the Bible, you know. The written message of the prophets made more reliable and fully validated by the confirming voice of God on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's saying the Bible is more confirming than hearing God speak from heaven. Why am I saying all this? I felt like during me, while I uh, teaching you where we got the Bible, I felt like we needed to know the importance of the Bible. How important that God sees his word and how much more you and I should see how important the word of God is. Hello? Made more reliable and fully validated by the confirming voice of God on the Mount of Transfiguration. And you will continue to do well if you stay focused on it. You will continue to do well if you stay focused on it. For this prophetic message is like a piercing light shining in a gloomy place until the dawning of a new day when the morning star rises in your hearts. I believe the word of God. I believe what Peter is saying here is that we were changed when we went up to the mountain of transfiguration. It changed our lives. I believe this is what he's saying about the Bible, that we too should read it as if it's a more sure word of hearing an audible voice so that it can change your life and mine. It made an eternal difference in their lives. All right, I'm ready to start back now. How we got the Bible, all right? This is going to be more, if you're visiting, um, this is going to be more like uh, Bible school. This is not my normal style of teaching, but I just feel like we needed to know about the Bible, how we got it. And I'm not going to review everything or talk what we did last week, but Peter, or Peter, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in Acts, we talked about how it came along, and all of those were written probably under 70 A.D., and, uh, but the culture around the world at this particular time, actually in the history of time, is that all of the cultures on the planet had multiple gods, multiple gods, and uh, people didn't leave one religion and go to another religion. They just embraced their gods and yours, and and when they moved to a different region, there were always gods of that region. And so when they moved to that region, they would take all their family gods off their idols, off of their worship place. And, And when they moved, they would take whatever that regional 
area had and take their gods and add it to theirs. So, I mean, man, you'd have a closet full of gods. And the Romans, they were in power at the time. They didn't care what gods you worshipped as long as you did not put their gods down and you gave respect to Caesar. So that's why they said, okay, you can have your gods. We don't care. You know, we have our gods, but you do have to know that Caesar is Lord, all right? But the Christians, when they got saved, born again, they saw Jesus. And remember, we wouldn't have a Bible if the people who wrote Luke chapter 1, verse 1, it said many has, people have documented because of what happened, who they saw. They saw the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Over, 1 Corinthians 15 says over 500 people have seen Jesus alive, resurrected. So the Christians, when they started calling them Christians, they said, no, there's only one God. Only nobody, you know, what? There's only one God. And when the Gentiles became followers of Jesus, they were interested in the sacred text of the Jews, but it wasn't called the Old Testament. It was called the Law and the Prophets. There was no official book called the Old Testament. This took a long time to get the Gentiles to grab a hold of the, the Jewish text is because Jews didn't have anything to do with Gentiles. They kept to themselves. And people didn't mind them keeping to themselves because they had a strict diet. They could only worship on the Sabbath. And, uh, you know, you definitely couldn't marry their daughters or marry their sons. They're not going to give you their children because you're a Gentile. And so there was a major gap in between Gentiles and Jews. As a matter of fact, Peter was, of course, of a Jew. And even after the resurrection, one document says that it took him 15 years before he would even have a Gentile in his home. Wow. This is after he knew the truth. But there still was a, a renewal that needed to take place in his mind. The Gentiles found out that the law and the prophets talked about the Messiah. And so this is why they started getting interested in the law and the prophets because they realized that Jesus was in their text. <coughs> well, they didn't want anything to do with Judaism, becoming a Jew, but they were interested in their text. And so uh, one thing you need to know, the, the world did know that the Jewish religion was one of the oldest, was one of the oldest it was older than the Romans and, and the Greeks. And they found out that the Jews had always believed in one God, Yahweh. When the Gentiles got the old text and found out, in the beginning, God. It didn't say, in the beginning, gods. And so they found out, you Jews have always believed in one God. And they said, yes, we have. Why did the Romans persecute the Christians but give the the Jews a pass. If you study history, you think, why, why did that happen? Because the Jews only believe in one God. The Jews didn't believe that Caesar was Lord. So why did the Romans give the Jews a pass, but they killed the Christians? Good question. You want to know why? The Romans had 
super respect for ancient things. If something was ancient, they honored it. There's just something in their culture. That's just what they did. And they found out that the Jewish religion was older than all of what they could trace back, the, the gods of the Romans, the gods of the Greeks, and their religion. They found out that the Jewish went further back, and it was more ancient than their religion. And so they respected them and gave them a pass. Interesting. The Christians, they're brand new. We're going to feed them to the lions. So... The Jews got a pass. When the Gentiles started researching the Jewish text, they discovered that in the beginning, God, the universe had a beginning and that there was always just one God. Now, listen to this. This is good. In college, they t teach that or used to teach that the Hebrews just got their religion from other cultures that sounded familiar. Most other cultures, they have a flood uh, and all these things, but they then discovered so many very distinct things that the Jewish culture separated from everybody else. <clears throat> One thing was that changed was that uh, the science world would not catch up with the Bible until 1927. Listen to this. In 1927, a Belgian cosmologist, he was a Catholic priest, said that the universe had a beginning. Up until this time, I believe even Einstein thought the universe was always was. It always was. All scientists believed it always was until 1927. And then before this, science said, you know, we, we just know the universe was always here. In 1964, the discovery of the, listen to this, because this, I'm just reading stuff because this is over my head. Cosmic microwave background radiation. It was the view that the universe has always existed that was totally abandoned after they discovered they, they could measure uh, time of things. This was 1964 when this was discovered. And so the universe... Uh, thinking that it always was, it was totally abandoned and not taught in colleges after 1964. They said this, that in a trillion trillionth of a second, the universe expanded from an extraordinary speed from something smaller than the size of a pebble into the universe. That's the way they described it. Or we could go by what Jesus or God said in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, boom, you believe in a big bang? Yeah. When God said it, stuff banged and started happening, let me tell you. And this is the resource that I want to share. If you want to pull that up, Tiff, John Lennox. Uh, look, he's not a preacher, okay? So don't think that you're going to get all of your theology from him. But if you want to understand the creation, there's been, when especially students, they go to school and college and they hear about, you know, how... Christians believe in seven days and all of this, and you know, and it kind of, they just, some young people lose their belief and faith because how the colleges can totally tear that up. This guy, John Lennox, he will just open up a whole new world of Genesis for you. His name's John Lennox, seven days that divide the world. 
And that's a video if you want to copy that down. I watched that video. And you, if you watch that, go all the, he, half of it, he lectures, and the other half, he opens up for questions. But this guy is just, he's just phenomenal. He just, he loves God, he loves the word, believes in it, but he's so smart. He just, it's just extraordinary. But anyway, Genesis is nothing like the Egyptian creation myths or the Canaanite or Babylonian creation myths. This is the difference. Their creation myths were to take the load off of the lazy gods, plural, and so they created mankind as an afterthought to serve the gods. Women had no status, no hope, no value. The violence and injustice of the gods justified the violence and injustice of their leaders. But then you come to Genesis, men and women are made in the very image of God. It's taken thousands of years for the world to even catch up to the Bible for women to even have dignity and value. Even the times of Christ... You know, when it says 5,000, that they fed 5,000. You know what that means? There was 5,000 men there. Women and children were not even counted. It's been thousands of years for the culture to catch up with God saying that women are created in the image of God. And they're just as valuable. When, well, I, I, I forgot. When did women just start voting in America? 19 when? 19 when? 20? 19 women were just, you know why? Because women weren't valuable enough to vote. I'm just telling you, know, and there's still things catching up. And I'm not trying to be a feminist. So just, I'll shut up. But anyway, I caught myself just in time. My wife's here. But anyways, I'm just saying that God created male and female in his image. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, birds of the sky, over the livestock and on the wild animals, and all, over all the creation <clears throat> that move along the ground. So we are not to worship anything about nature. We're supposed to rule over it. Are you hearing me? We're supposed to be stewards of this earth, but man is the ruler. Man is the ruler. The dignity of every person was established in the very beginning, and God said you'll not worship nature, but you will rule over it. Jesus was one of the first to elevate the status of women. Why do you think that the, the majority of Jesus' followers were women? His biggest contributors. If you study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, his, you know where the, his ministry was funded. Judas kept the money bag. So you have to have more than 50 cents if you have somebody who's an accountant keeping the bag. You, 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 did you get that? So, he, in other words, Jesus was getting money coming into his ministry. So he had to put Judas in charge, which, you know, you think, really? I'm not going to question you, Jesus, but if you knew who he was, I would have said, you know what? 
why don't you be charged and just, you know, get in his hotel rooms and stuff like that? No, but he put Judas in charge, and guess who was the biggest supporters? Women. Women gave to the ministry of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus made them feel like they had dignity and love and appreciation like nobody else ever had or did. Well, every person that you and I see bears the image of the creator. This ought to help us to treat people better. You know, you just think, oh, they're so stupid. Yeah, and they were created by God. And after all of this, God goes to work right from the very beginning to reverse the consequences of a man's decision to choose against him. And when the time was right, Yahweh, the God of Genesis, became a man and he joined us. He became one of us so that he will know and experience and even feel. People don't think this, but Jesus got tired. Jesus got hungry. He got sleepy. He was a man like you and me, yet without sin. But he did all of this so that he would know everything that we would ever experience. So, getting back to the first century, the Gentiles realized that the Jewish scripture should be included in the sacred text. And it took probably between three and 400 A.D. It took that many years to start collaborating with the old Jewish texts and putting that together in what we call the Bible. There's a lot of Greek history in that, and I didn't mean to bore you, but I felt like as believers we need to know where it came from so that we can have a greater appreciation for it. It's not just like any other, you know, I, I see these YouTube things, and they say, well, you know, I don't believe this. And this guy comes out with a book, and, he, you know, he's in his 30s, and he's sharper. As all. I mean, some of these guys, I would debate them, and I would look like a fool. I mean, they're just that good and smart. But this is the problem. You want me to take something that you've been on this planet for 30 years, and you've come to a conclusion that there's so much wrong with the Bible that we need to discard it, and it's been here for thousands of years, and you want me to take something if you've been on this planet for 30 years? And I'm not the sharpest knife in the block, but I do know one thing. I don't think that's a wise decision. Are you hearing me? Because there's going to be always, the devil wants you to say, does the Bible really mean that? Does it really mean that? We have to be bulldog determined and say, yeah, it does mean that. Does the Bible really mean that by his stripes, 1 Peter 2, 24, by his stripes we were healed? My God shall supply all, how many? All of your need according to the economy of the United States of America. Dear God, I'm so glad he did not think that. No, he didn't say that, did he? According to his economy. 
So we need to look to him. We need to believe him in those times that when we doubt. Let me encourage you today. Those times that when you doubt and have unbelief and, and it doesn't seem like you get your healing and you pray for your daughter and they're not getting their healing and so many things. That, this is when we have to be bulldog determined and say, I don't care what I see. I don't care what I'm feeling. I know what the word of God says and I know that I'm going to choose to believe it. You just have to make a choice. It's a choice. It is a choice. Or else we're going to be changing our theology every day of our lives. It'll be constantly changing. Oh, it didn't work. Healing doesn't work. Faith stuff, that faith stuff doesn't work. (laughs) We're all growing. And I don't care how many failures you have. Just don't quit and give up. Life will be better. Life will be sweeter for you. And listen, what, I mean, one person said this. You know what? Even if there wasn't an eternal life, heaven, kingdom, or heaven after this, I would still choose to live according to the word of God because that's the best life you can possibly have no matter what. Amen? Let's stand. I know this was a little bit different. But I just felt like it was necessary to know some things about the Word of God. And I believe that God wants us to take the Word and make it valuable. It is a valuable document. And it's not just a document written by men. The Bible says that it was inspired by the Holy Ghost. As men wrote, they were inspired by the Holy Ghost. I believe that. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we may know some things and understand some things that we haven't in the past. Help us on our journey, Lord, struggling with faith and unbelief and doubt. I just pray as a church family that you would help us, that we would encourage one another. The Bible says two are better than one because when one falls, there will be one there to help pick them up. So that's our church family. We're here to pick people up. We're here to encourage. We're here to say that you can make it. We're here to say we will pray and believe God for you. So, Lord, I just pray that today, that people will feel the encouragement of God in their life They would sense how much, God, that you love them and the good life that you have for them in Jesus' name. Amen. On my right and your left, these guys will pray for you. Anything that you need prayer about. If you're hurting in your body, let them pray for you. Or if you just want to come up here and talk to God, man, you can come up here to this altar and you can just talk to God. Or just listen. We just always want to make sure that's an option for you. We love you. God bless you.